Welcome to episode 214 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source in Linux or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael, and with me today are the drone operators of the Mars Helicopter Ingenuity, True. Jill, Ryan, and Noah. Uh, today's nice. ep- today's episode, we're going <laughs> to have some fun with customizing your Linux desktop. And later in the show, we're also going to be covering KDE's new release for KDE Plasma 521. We've also got our tips, tricks, and software picks. So much more. All this coming up right now on Destination Linux. So, and also in addition to all of that, we also have something very exciting to announce. Uh, so tune in next week to get all the details of what we're announcing. You can't do that to people, Michael. What do you, what do you mean? That, that's, <laughs> You're that, teasing them. No, yeah. But that's how announcements Either work. Either give us the information or don't there give us the information. No, that, people not, sitting in this room that pay to get this information. They pay their hard-earned money that yeah, they but go to work we're, we're going to tell them. Yes, the, pa- the, the patrons in the, pa- in the, the recording a- stadium are going to get the information after the show. But next oh. week, the everyone else is going to get the information for the big okay. announcement nice. that's happening. Well, now, so. hold on. If, now, if I wanted to hack that system a little bit, because I'm hacker elite, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if I Yo. sign up for a patron, can I then get in into the in club before next week? Yes, absolutely. We're, we're going we're gonna to also post it on Patreon and sponsors for people who are patrons to get the information as well. So if you don't want to oh wait till next week, you can totally get that information uh, <laughs> immediately. You just have to pay it So all. much big information. Right. So much. So much. So yeah. if, you, if you do want to hack the system by becoming a patron, uh, totally totally possible hack the world hack man. the planet <laughs> yeah, Yay. all right so in our community feedback this week we have anonymous writes in and says i would like to remain anonymous well there you go you can remain anonymous oh, anonymous when your name is anonymous you can don't have to change yeah, your name to you, write you don't even have to tell us that because you're anonymous. anonymous yeah right yeah that's a cool name your parents named you anyways you guys have been doing great stuff from your very first day thank you so much that's awesome. I've been interested in Nextcloud, but didn't want to either set up my own server or spin up a VM on one of the well-known services. Then I stumbled into Operation Tulip, and that's operationtulip.com. I found it easy to open an account with Operation Tulip, and after I got the Nextcloud app image going, everything worked just right. I don't know much about this stuff, so I wonder if you'd care to give your views about operationtulip.com. If you're positive, maybe you could invite them on to DL. Another topic I'd like to come on comment on is I haven't heard anyone mention that if Firefox goes, Tor goes too. The loss of Tor would have very grave consequences for the brave people around the, the world. Report on bad things done by bad people, businesses, and governments. Keep on keeping on anonymous. So for your first question on Operation Tulip, I wasn't aware of this tool. I went and looked at it this week after I read your email, and it looks like a fantastic service. The one thing that makes me question Operation Tulip, or that just leaves a question mark, if you will, for me, is that they claim to be open source, which is awesome. But generally, when companies really, really open source and behind open source, you'll have a link on their webpage to their GitHub, their GitLab, to the code directly. Like That, to me, is a huge indicator that this company is not just saying open source, but they're truly kind of living it, right? They've got their code repository there somewhere. So while in their About Us, they mentioned being open source, I could not myself find their code on GitLab or GitHub or any searches and things like that. So that is one thing that if Operation Tulip wants to um, promote the fact that they're open source, they're Sweden-based, they have a lot of talk on here about privacy and being anonymous, which I love all of that speak. Um, But I would like to actually look through the code and see what they're doing in the code, and I wasn't able to easily find that. So I would suggest any company that's wanting to promote themselves in the open source world, number one, make sure on your website in a very easy place to find, have your GitHub or GitLab or whatever you're using repository so people can look through your code. Uh, That was my take on it. So I guess I'm more of, I don't know, it looks like it could be a really cool service, but they need to change that thing. Jill, what did you think? Yeah. um, Well, I thought it was actually really cool that it's only $4 a month for um, 50 gigs. That was a really good price. And I noticed it's a Swedish company, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It, it needs to be on uh, their code needs to be somewhere visible for us yep. to see. And There's I'm a sure lot of open sure washing. Is, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, and not saying they are. They may truly be totally yeah, we just open source, yeah. and they just put their code somewhere else. But yeah. to make it easier, so when companies like us are wanting to look at your uh, product and things, put your code somewhere where people can see it on the website, and that makes it much easier for us to recommend or. 
kind yeah. of do an evaluation. Of the I product. just meant that when if, if someone says open source these days, you're kind of looking at it 50-50. So if they're not fully embracing it, it's, there's a lot of open washing and not necessarily saying they are, but there's a lot of people who do that, a lot of companies who do that. So if you're going to use that term, you need to make it easy for people who care about that term to find the stuff that you're claiming is open. One of our commenters on DLN Live said, uh, we are open source. We have an empty repo on GitHub to prove it. Yeah, so we see a lot of that. <laughs> we see a lot of that type of stuff going on. On your second question, yes, I absolutely agree with you. Firefox is insanely important, not only to Tor, but just important in general. And I think we covered that pretty heavily uh, last week and some other browsers that are now basing themselves off Firefox. So absolutely, Firefox is amazing. It's very important, very important to Tor. We need to keep it around. Totally agree. And also, there's a lot of people who are talking about Firefox doing certain stuff that's in there. They're not doing certain things optimal, but also saying that they're doing stuff that's uh, you know anti-privacy and security, and I don't think that, that is the case. Uh, they are you know not setting things by default as well as Ghostery, for example, and that's true. Uh, but in terms of like, that's one of the reasons we have Ghostery as an option, which is great. And I think that Firefox mm -hmm. as a base is fantastic. So for people who are anti-Firefox and don't think about the whole it being a base is much a thousand times better than Chromium being a base. So even if you don't like Firefox as they're what they're doing themselves, you can still look at it as they're a very valuable source for people who want to make something based on it like Ghostery. You know what? Everybody's, I did a video on the Ghostry stuff, so you can go check that out. But a lot of comments, people talking about Waterfox, not only for our last episode, but this one in I hadn't looked at Waterfox in a while, but so many comments around it. And I looked and I was pretty impressed with what Waterfox is putting down. Their sites have been improved. Their overall flow and information uh, on this particular browser have been improved. So maybe we'll take a look at Waterfox in the future as well. It's something for people to check out if they're looking for an indie web browser. Yeah, I, I looked at uh, Waterfox for a little bit. They were purchased by a company that I hadn't heard of, so I want to check that out in the, in, as well, too, because that sounds, it seems interesting that they have a backer now. Uh, so, you know, yeah, we'll check it out in the future. We love hearing from our worldwide community. What we want you to do is get your official deal and mug like the one right here, fill it up with some coffee, or in my case, bubbly, <laughs> sit down on the nearest stool and send us an email to comments at destinationlinux.org. And if you want to join in on the community discussions like this one, then join the DLN community forum by going to dlnforum.com. Well, you know, Jill, you make an interesting point about that cup. We innovated <laughs> on this cup. Could you hold that cup up for people to see? Sure. Jill said you could have coffee in it. Clearly, it's a coffee cup. But the <laughs> cup we created, it can hold any type of liquid. Mm -hmm. yes. You put bubbly in there, and it still <laughs> holds that particular type of liquid. We, we spent a ton of R&D research and development <laughs> on making sure that all liquids can fit in that cup. Now, well, we yes. outsourced that to AltaSpeed Technologies. They came back with a blueprint of a cup that could hold any liquid. It was it's been amazing. It, it, it was amazing, and we we were able to create it, and it 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 is successfully holding all those liquids. It's very impressive. <laughs> this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps with static websites quickly and easily. Simply point your GitHub or GitLab repository and let the app platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, and container images. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructures. Your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes. That means that they're providing you a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure and setup. Now, as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free, better than for free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, that link is do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this week of Destination Linux. Yeah. Uh, this week's episode, we want to talk about something that's interesting because we, you know, there's a lot of people who have talked about customization in Linux and on their desktop. And you can, you know, you can, you're basically able to customize every element of your desktop with different desktop environments and window managers and all sorts of stuff because there's tons of great customiz customizations, options, and capabilities in Linux and open source. So whether you have icons or text size, toolbars, menus, themes, wallpapers, whatever, there's so much stuff you really can't 
even count all the things that you can do in Linux. So this week, we're going to find out the customization tips and tricks for each of the hosts to give some ideas of how we like to tweak our systems. And of course, the one known for the most customizations oh, of yeah. all of us. We're going to start with Ryan, because I've actually been to Ryan's Thank house, you. and I've Thank seen, you. I have seen share this. so many things. It was impressive just how much It blew you away when you it, sat it, down at my computer, It totally it? blew me away. So, uh, Ryan, how do you customize your desktops? Well, I thought it was amazing that you bring this up because, you know, just to reiterate, mm -hmm. the one thing that's uniquely Linux is the customization. It's one of the top things, not the only thing, but it's one of the top things that's uniquely Linux. You can go into your desktop, you can change everything. If you're stuck in Windows or Mac OS, you've got all these limiters on what you can change to make your own. You don't have to mess with that with Linux. In my case, because mm -hmm. I have all that power at my fingertips, what I first do is I install my favorite distro and desktop environment. And then I leave it exactly as it is. Right, right, right. That's what that's that's what I remember. Uh, we, uh, for a, a quick story, I went when when uh, one of the, I think the first time I went to Ryan's house when we were doing some like uh, destination Linux prep stuff, uh, I went there and I looked. I got on his computer because I needed to set up the OBS and all this other stuff, and I realized he changed nothing. Like <laughs> how could, how is that even possible? Uh, because like it, it, it wasn't yeah. even the fact that he like, oh, I'm using GNOME, so I'm just going to use the default GNOME. It was using the, it was the default XFCE on Arch. So there is zero customization right. in any way whatsoever. And it yes. it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, um, can, can I change? He's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. So basically, the customizations that were on Ryan's computer are my customizations for him. That are still there from all these years later. <laughs> No. Uh, so I, I do do some things. You know, I switched to, to GNOME from back then. I was using KDE and I've been using GNOME now for quite a while and really digging GNOME's workflow because everything's done for me. I feel like and I <laughs> that's why he's, he's a much. fan of the defaults now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the defaults. Uh, mostly I still leave everything stock, embarrassingly so, because I was actually going through my computer to do some notes for this. And I'm like, what do I actually change? The wallpaper is different. <laughs> So I use um, Fondo for my wallpaper nice. if I want to change wallpapers out there, which I think mm -hmm. is quite cool. I also add a couple of extensions in GNOME. So Audio Output Switcher is a must. Why mm -hmm. is this not built in by default? I have no idea. Um, the Good background question. logo is kind of cool. This is just for me for videos. So what it does is it implements kind of an image over my wallpaper of the DOS Geek logo. So mm -hmm. I use that. Um, there is game mode, of course, and for theming, I use the Ottawa dark theme and I have to have tiling. That's very, very important for me. I will not use a desktop environment that I can't tile. So shell tile I use for window tiling extension, which is very powerful, awesome little tiler that you can get in the GNOME extension store. And then a YouTube commenter recently, just this week was asking a question of, Hey, in GNOME, can I save my sessions? So that when I have my screens set up a certain way and I reboot and I open those screens, they come back in the same place. And I thought that's really interesting. That's something you definitely do a lot in i3. I think KDE has that by default. But when I was doing some searching around the internet, I realized that apparently this feature is not in GNOME or it was removed in GNOME. Jill, do you know? I'm, yeah, um, I remember it uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, well, all yeah. of the comments, and I, some of them were older, you know, a year or two old, so I don't know if it's changed recently, basically saying that session management's not in the GNOME desktop environment. But there is an extension called Windows Session Manager that I found, yeah. which I installed, which is really cool. Uh, you can basically set up the desktop the way you want, and then you just click an icon in the top taskbar to save it, and you can have multiple profiles, and then you can refresh back to them for your session management. So those are the amazing tweaks that I do with pretty much leaving everything default. Yeah. Some of it's actually kind of interesting. I didn't know about the background logo extension. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, there's also, real quick, while I'm not using GNOME anymore, it's been a long time since I have, there are a couple extensions that I do think are fantastic, but I, would, I just wanted to bring attention to one of them that is, it is something that is a is a game changer for usability for me and it might be for you i don't know uh but it's called quick close in overview and essentially what it does is mm -hmm. allow you to instead of having to close the uh, the application in the overview with the little x button at the very top or being able to have it having to activate that window to close it it what it gives you the option to do is open the overview and just middle click anywhere on the application in the overview and it will close it 
So it's just a really oh, nice. fast way to to close a bunch of applications. And that's convenient. Yeah, as soon as I used yeah. it, I, I immediately was like, this is on the top of my list every single time I use GNOME. So anybody who wants a quick way to do mm-hmm. that, uh, check that one out. We'll have a link for those uh, extensions in the show notes too. Very cool. Jill, I'm excited yeah. to hear about this. How do you... <laughs> Do oh, your boy. customizations. I do massive customization <laughs> because I like the X window managers, uh, window maker, Flexbox, Enlightenment, awesome XFCE, and even Rat Poison for uh, yeah. tiling. Rat Poison. <laughs> rat Poison yeah, is awesome. Cool. Okay, real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but Rat Poison. Okay. Is, as soon as you said that, I just wanted to. People who don't know what Rat Poison is, it is a window manager that doesn't let you use a mouse. So that's where the rat poison yes. comes from. So it's like killing the mouse. So you have to use only keyboard shortcuts and stuff like that. That is cool. It is It is both ridiculous and awesome at the same time. So I love the name, yeah, too. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I was a big, a big fan of it. It's, like, it's not necessarily my workflow preference, but it's a good name for what it does. Yeah. Yeah. I still have it installed in a couple of my laptops because <laughs> I just, I, th- that is one I, you know, go to randomly. And I, I just, you know, kind of wake up in the morning and just pick a random uh, window manager. <laughs> your <laughs> your most... window manager of the day. How am I feeling <laughs> yeah. today? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel enlightened today. So I'm going to use yeah. <laughs> Feel a little more ex-monad than I three today. And, <laughs> and I think that's my, you know, artist coming out. I, I, I yeah. like all the uniqueness of all the desktops and being able to customize them, you know, with my own own themes and and bitmaps and textures. Awesome. I spend a lot of time doing that. And as a result, uh, uh, when I'm using Window Maker and Flexbox, whenever I want to set up a new system, I just go and, and download my saved uh, Window Maker configs and Flexbox configs and then just paste them in. So I don't have to keep recreating all my settings Very cool. over and over again definitely an issue which is you know a lot of fun but it it definitely saves time so i i even have some of those configs saved on floppy disks from my old like 386s and 486s we know if there's like an apocalypse and all the computers are down we could still go to jill's (laughs) house and get some floppy disks the current software on it amazing get everybody set up for everything (laughs) but yeah so my my personal preference is I like right-clicking on the desktop for menus and at the most just a few uh, desktop icons or uh, not using the mouse at all, <laughs> such as in the case of Rat, rat Poison. Um, but I always have to increase uh, my font sizes for every DE uh, because of blind in one eye. <laughs> so that is definitely something I always have to adjust the fonts. And I also manipulate high DPI scaling for my ultra HD screens that I use. So that definitely comes in handy. And I make sure to also increase the font sizes for my terminals, whether it's E-term or X-term. I do the same uh, thing. They have it really small for some reason. Like eight I know, points it's always or some X ex- term. Yeah. I can't even read it when I, yeah. you know, inst- <laughs> install a new uh, Linux uh, desktop. So that definitely is a thing. And one of my big tricks that I use, it's something simple, is for every window manager I use, I configure Alt-M as my keyboard shortcut for minimizing applications. Then I don't have to remember <laughs> for for each right, yeah, each desktop, you know what what the command is. Yeah, I was about to and ask you what are your secrets for the keyboard shortcuts because that's a lot of yeah. stuff to deal with. The, that is one like I make my window maker and flexbox and uh, keyboard shortcuts and rat poison. I'll do, I'll make the same ones. <laughs> Just curious, uh, Jill, what's your default for tiling? Do you use the super shift and the arrow keys, or what do you? How yeah. do you set those up? Yeah, super shift arrow. Yeah, super okay. shift arrow. arrow. Because it's, nice. it's just classic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I do enjoy the, the larger uh, desktop managers as well, such as uh, Ubuntu Mate. And I always make sure to install Hydro Paper wallpaper to apply different wallpapers on my three monitors. And with the other window managers, I just usually stretch a huge, uh, uh, huge background on all three. I have my Destination Linux one on right now. <laughs> Nice. nice. We made it. We're somebody. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> And I always have, uh, when I'm in Ubuntu Mate, the Magnus magnifier app is always handy. 
and for uh, magnifying my. I was going to ask you about that because we have a lot of people that write into the show that talk about asking questions regarding visual impairments and things and that want us to cover additional information in that. So Magnus is something that you use to magnify your icons and things on there. So you install that by default. Is there a particular desktop environment you find is most accessible for this type of uh, visual impairment? Uh, probably GNOME or, K- or KDE is good. Yeah. Um, I was going to say GNOME has a lot yeah. of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. GNOME, definitely. And because you also have Orca too for mm-hmm. uh, screen Orca reading, for sure. Really yeah. nice. Orca is yeah. really well uh, structured around GNOME for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a, a thing that KDE Plasma does. I'm not sure how helpful it is for people, but I use it sometimes just to zoom in on stuff. But there's a, a super plus and minus function where it will mm-hmm. zoom the entire desktop. So instead of doing like a magnifying window, it's just the whole thing zooms in. That is, it's really yeah. nice. <laughs> Very <That's> cool. Nice. <laughs> well, Michael, I have to know, uh, you're apparently a KDE fan. <laughs> oh, how did you know that? Yeah, well, somebody <laughs> I thought told I was very you quiet about KDE that. Fan. And great. we know KDE doesn't allow you to customize much at all. It's very uncustomizable <laughs> desktop environment. Right. No, it's, kidding. Yeah. Uh, the most customizable, probably desktop, one of the most customizable desktop environments out there. So what do you do with KDE? Plus? Okay, I'm going to try to limit as much as possible, but I do have a lot of things that I do. Most of our audience know that I use KDE Plasma, as you said. It's been in my daily driver for a very long time. What some of them might not know is that before I used KDE Plasma, I was a GNOME 3 user and actually a GNOME 2 user as well. And I've even maintained some extensions for GNOME over the years. So I have a lot of experience with both. Uh, Some people think that I don't like GNOME just because I talk about Plasma so often, but I really do like the GNOME workflow so much so that I moved the GNOME workflow with me to KDE Plasma when I switched. So I still use the similar workflow. And I've received uh, a lot of requests from people who have asked about how I make the GNOME workflow in KDE Plasma. And um, I'm working on a video to explain it exactly. But for now, uh, here's a few things that I do anyway. So first of all, (laughs) I do extensive changes. So I move the main panel from the bottom to the top of the screen. I increase the workspace. Oh, you're a top panel person? I'm a top panel person, yeah. <laughs> Those are the worst people I don't, in the I don't, world. That, that's ridiculous. It's fantastic. And actually, the difference is nothing. The only so... reason you say that is you just want everybody else to look at your screen and know you're different than everyone else. Every time I've met someone who's a top paneler, yeah, I just, just want to be different. They yeah, they, they own things like ellipticals and stools. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Ryan, hey, Ryan, I just want a quick oh. reminder of like, did you know that Gnome has a top panel? It's so different. That, it's default. So that, yeah, Gnome. <laughs> Wow. It's anyway, default, yeah. it's, it's different because so, you didn't change it. It's fine. Okay. I yes. got it. I got yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, I also switched to four workspaces because I just like having a bunch of workspaces. Uh, I mm-hmm. also move the pager widget that's in the main panel into its own side mm-hmm. wor- uh, side panel. So it's kind of like similar to the vertical workspace thing that that, that nice. GNOME has. Uh, also, I install Latte Doc, which is a fantastic doc software, but it's much more than that. I'll get to that in a second. But first, I just wanted to say that the way that I use it is kind of similar to how GNOME's Dash works. So I just have it on the left side as a doc. Uh, but also to quickly explain the differences between a Latte Doc and what people expect a doc to be, it is way more than that. It supports all Plasma widgets. So it can do everything that a panel can do. And, and more so, like everything that, it, that the desktop of Plasma can do, you can put all the widgets inside of a Latte dock. And you can also stretch it across the whole screen and turn it into a panel mode. All sorts of stuff. They even have like a custom layout configuration thing so you can save and configure your layouts and stuff. Latte dock is awesome. So I make a new dock on the left and I make a dock on the right. And I use that for the workspaces and the uh, doc section for the dash uh, mm-hmm. effect, really. So I actually used to replace the main panel at the top with a latte doc panel, in fact. But at, at that changed with 5.20 because they introduced a new feature that was missing prior to, uh, well, now. So I don't have a reason anymore to replace that. So I just use the basic panel these these days. Um, if you're curious to know, let me know in the comments and I'll tell you why I changed it, but it's not that important. But some other things that I do is I make some changes to desktop effects and desktop effects are really powerful feature. You like wobbly plasma. windows, don't you? Okay, yes, I do have wobbly windows. <laughs> I also like wobbly, wobbly windows. Wobbly windows so are I, fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean... Yes, of course. If you can have fanciness when you're moving your windows, why not? I mean, there right. are some people <laughs> who overdo it, 
I don't do that. It's just a little subtle, just to give it the effect of movement when you're. It's it's just nice. Okay, it's nice. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there's a bunch of different desktop effects, and I have a lot of them configured the way I want. Uh, I also make some changes to present windows, which is kind of like the overview for mm-hmm. GNOME, uh, and the desktop grid is also similar. I make some changes there too. Uh, specifics I'll put in the video that I make, but the right, right now it's just more of like I just kind of make it do things that I want it to. I would prefer it do. Uh, I also activate dark mode everywhere because I like dark mode. See, that's a normal thing that most normal people do. Dark mode yeah. support. Uh, yeah. Thanks, I guess. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> sure. All right. It's I also, very unelliptical kind of person of you. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> very, very appreciate that. Uh, and it's similar to Jill. I also change a lot of the shortcuts for custom stuff that I cool. want to do. Uh, there's a lot of... What's really interesting about KDE is that there are some defaults that are not optimal, but there's also a lot of stuff in KDE that are not set up. Like, there are things yeah, that are right. fantastic. <laughs> the fact that you have op- uh, opacity controls where you can easily turn lower and increase the opacity in a window but it's not set up, so you have to manually activate it. Like, <laughs> I, I wish that was by default just on, but once you activate it, it's so convenient. Like right now during the show, I have things that I want to remind myself with notes that I have sitting on top of my OBS so I can see both at the same time. And through that opacity control, I can do that. Uh, for those nice. who don't know what that's referring to, that's the transparency of the window. But uh, mm-hmm. that's really, really cool. I also used to switch the main menu from kickoff to kicker, but now with Plasma oh. 521, they've actually kind of made a new one that merges the two. So I haven't tried that yet, but it looks really great. So I'm looking forward to that. And I also want to do a, like one thing that Jill mentioned was right clicking the desktop to have your menu. Yes. That is something built <laughs> into Plasma that you can do. It's not uh, there by default, but you can change the configuration and uh, just right click the menu and uh, you know, click the desktop and you get a menu like how you can do an open box and some other stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. So I, I activate that every single time. Uh, also drop down terminal and for tiling, there's actually a script called Cronkite and it is of course spelled with a K. It's a, a bunch of K's actually. I have that linked in the show notes as well, but it does uh, dynamic tiling in a similar way that uh, the, the extension for GNOME does. And also it's not like super extensive like the window manager, the tiling window managers that Jill mentioned is not that tiling, but it is pretty close. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. also this one I wanted to tell you about that's a KWIN script called Parachute. And Parachute is just really cool because it essentially creates a combination expose view. So what it does is it takes the desktop grid and the present windows and then merges them together, kind of like how GNOME Overview works. Uh, different really in terms of the design, uh, actually, in a way, the design of the parachute kind of looks sort of like how GNOME 40 is going to look. So, in a way, they kind of beat them to the punch, I guess. So, you're switching to GNOME 40. Uh, awesome. You just that, announced that is, it here. Breaking news. That, <laughs> I, I love it. How did you interpret that? I mean, I'm not I'm, saying... I'm smart I, like that. I'm not saying anything against GNOME necessarily, or GNOME 40. I think what GNOME 40 is doing is pretty interesting. We'll get them, folks. We'll but get at them the same story. time... Well, okay, I do a lot of customizations, as you can tell. I've actually not listed everything, and I don't want to spend 30 minutes for the show yeah. just talking about what I do because that's a little bit excessive. I get that. But every now and then, Ryan gives me a hard time about not updating or distro hopping, and maybe now you all know why. Uh, maybe he knows now why. I, I don't want to change we, all we of this stuff. We did a video collaboration <laughs> time, where, yeah. where Michael, <laughs> the video's out there on my channel where Michael goes through my KDE and actually sets it up because everything was default. It was perfect because it was just like somebody starting KDE to begin with. Uh, and the video was like two and a half hours, edited down to like an hour. But it was two and a half hours of recording of changes that he was making in this stuff. It was insane the amount of customization that he does. Well, it's uh, it's not even that. Just real quick, it's not even about the customization of like what I prefer to be changed. It's just like there are certain defaults that I think should be done for like the first additional experience. And then there's an extra hour and a half to two hours of stuff that's just for me. So uh, what? really quick, I just want to say... Uh, because of all of these great things you can do in KDE Plasma, I just want to take this moment to request the KDE team create an import-export tool for system settings because that would make it really easy oh, to share yes. the data. Yeah, there and, we go. Yeah, and switch between different... Like, I could be able please. to do distro hopping at that point. So, you know, just consider that, please. It would be amazing. And come yeah. up with, that, and, that's and, one and, of the reasons I don't use KDE as much. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm like, you can't like, export oh, I wanna... the settings. Yeah. yeah, I can't export the settings, so it's easy to do it within the the regular X window managers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, it works. It works. You can kind of save all of the files. There's just yeah. so many of them. It's kind of hard to keep track of it. But it would be yeah. so amazing if this happened. So please, uh, maybe someday. But let's move on to what mm-hmm. Noah does. So Noah, well, how do you customize your setup? And I'm pretty sure you do all the same things I do because you too use KDE, right? So yeah. I do use KDE. However, my my good friend Rikai uh, described me as the Walmart of Linux users. And the first time that came out of his mouth, I was like. <laughs> What is wrong with you, you Windows loving? You know, but but then as I thought about it, he's right, and and here's why he's right. I, I run into this sometimes at conferences. People come up to me and say, "No, what distro do you do you use, and and why, and and how do you use that? What desktop environment?" Other times, I'll get people come up to me and say, "I have this new distro, and I really want it to take off. What do you think I could do to 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 try and get it out there?" And I I try to tell both of those people the same answer, and it's that. If there's a if there's a Linux base and it's a free and open source operating system, if it works for you, that's what really counts. I don't buy into this idea that computers are just a tool. I hate that when people say oh, it's just a tool. It's just no, it's not. No, it's not just yeah. a tool because it contains your photos <laughs> and your memories, and it has a lot of private information and and financial information. And it, it's the, the, some of us that have the memories of fish of goldfish. I, I can't remember what my name is half the time, much less what I'm doing. And you <laughs> have my computer and access to all of that information. It, it's it's it, yeah, it's a tool. It's an exceptionally valuable tool. And so, w- what I look for. When I start to set my machine up, the first and foremost is the applications that go on top of that. And so the 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 base operating system is free and open source and and is free from privacy invasive stuff. And then on top of that, I layer the applications that I want to use. Past that, everything is about kind of tweaking around what it is I'm doing. So for example, on every computer I have has a dark theme because I hate like the blinding light, right? I don't want to get whitewashed or anything. So uh, you wake up in the middle of the night, especially at three in the morning. Some of you have seen pictures of this. I've shared it in the Geek Lab, but they're over my bed on the right side of my bed. I have a custom mounting post that has a 24 inch display, a keyboard, a mouse, and then that all the cables are run down to a Thunderbolt dock that sits under the bed. So at night, uh, when I go to when I go to bed at night, I plug my laptop in, laptop charges up. And in the event something goes down at two, three in the morning, I don't have to get up and walk around. I just swing the arm over. I do what I'm going to do. I go to sleep and shove it back away and, and carry on with life. Nice life part back of, there. Well, part of that is I don't, can't have light theme. Everything has to be dark. And yeah. I think sometimes that's undersold as like a preference it's not. Uh, everything needs to be dark theme. If you don't want to like destroy your eyes over time, that taking in yes. that 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 blue light over time and the, those the, that bright image, especially with modern LED monitors, um, I, I think dark theme is 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 really a must. And then on top of that, it makes your pro- applications look uh, quite a bit more professional. Um, and so that's my first thing is everything I can make dark and make dark. Second of all, anybody that's watched me podcast on video knows that I have terrible eyesight and I can't see anything. I'm squinting at everything. And I long story why I don't get glasses. So I like Jill make everything larger. The other thing I've looked for is clear and concise fonts that present text to me very clearly. I found Ubuntu bold is one of my favorite fonts. It has a very nice look to it. Um, and when you blow it up, it, it has a very clear look to it. And so, so it's fact, the font that I use for the chat room, uh, when, when I'm, uh, that's on the screen on, on ask Noah, it's Ubuntu bolt. Love that font. Uh, on top of that screenshot or excuse me, uh, a, um, uh, keyboard shortcuts, which allow me to do a number of things. First thing is screenshots. I take probably more screenshots than the average bear because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to relay information to customers. I'm trying to get back and forth. For that, again, uh, like I say, a lot of this comes back to what applications you're using on top of of what operating system. So Spectacle, for example, I find to be a particularly great screenshot tool because it allows me to do a couple of things. First of all, if I just press the print screen button on the keyboard, that's exactly what I expect it to do. It just takes a picture of the screen. But inside of Spectacle, you can customize the the, the way uh, and and the area that it customize uh, that it takes the screenshot of. So for example, going to Spectacle, you can choose um, the rectangular region. And then by default, when you hit the print screen button, it's automatically going to pop up a little box. You drag the box around what you want to take a picture of, press enter. The screenshot is then saved, or well, not saved, but stored in memory in Spectacle. And I have a couple of options in Spectacle. I can either copy it to the clipboard which I can then open element or email or whatever and control V, just paste that in, send that off to the customer, the client, the technician, whatever, and relay that information. 
I'm doing all of that with KDE shortcuts because KDE shortcuts allow me to do things like mute the microphone, mute the speakers, uh, open up a screenshot utility. And I'm not talking about the fancy media buttons that come on some keyboards. I'm talking about in KDE, I can literally make anything happen with a keyboard shortcut. And indeed, I like to make a lot of things happen with the keyboard shortcut. I want to be able to open Firefox, Thunderbird, my terminal. I want to be able to bring my dropdown yak wake from the top. I don't like having... Well, I shouldn't say I don't like it is perfectly usable to use like a regular console shell, but having Yakwake installed and the ability to, to map it to the tilde key and I tap on the tilde and all of a sudden the terminal Love is that. there. Mm. Additionally, that comes with different tabs, right? And so a very common thing is, hey, these seven servers are not working right. Okay, SSH into that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. I've got all these seven tabs up. Hold on, got to Google that. Put, hit the tilde, back to Firefox, Google that thing, send the email, open up the ticket. Yep, that's what I need. Username and password. Okay, back to the terminal. Uh, no, server number two, this there, there, server number three, this there. And I can bounce between all of these tasks very quickly and very efficiently. Anybody who's studied uh, human production knows that we talk about resets. And so when you have a reset, when somebody comes in, Hey, uh, did you get that report that I sent you do this? Can you look at this phone call? Whatever. Okay, fine. I do that thing. It takes me 20 minutes to get back to the same efficiency that I was working at before I was interrupted. And so a lot of what KDE and a lot of the way that I set my desktop environment up is to minimize those distractions using things like KDE's global notification. Hey, Noah, do that thing. What thing? I got him. 20 minutes. Ah! <laughs> See what I mean? Totally distracted. It'll take 20 minutes to get back to where I was explaining. I don't even remember what I was talking about. That's how terrible it is. <laughs> I have to do things like mute Michael so that he can't have the opportunity I love to that. and interrupt my workflow. Those my are the bad. kind of things that my desktop does. Now, what you find, and you'll see this a lot of times with Mac users, and sometimes you'll see it with Windows users, they'll, they'll start to make excuses as to to why the desktop environment or why the computer or why the software, why they're going to have to change their workflow because that thing makes more sense, right? And it's one of the things that I kind of fault the GNOME team for is this idea that there is the GNOME way of doing things. And if you do it that way, then it works fine. If you don't do it that way, then it's kind of confusing and weird and it doesn't make any sense. Um, I am a firm believer that the computer and the tool and the technology should meld around the user. And that's what I think KDE does particularly well. Uh, lastly, I really the, the one I I've never understood why the default for um for folder views is always big huge icons like it doesn't really make any sense it's a it's a fairly inefficient use of space so one of the things I'll do is I'll change over um to the detailed modes views and that allows me to do a couple of things first of all in alphabetical not case specific which is what I would prefer. I have all of my directories and all of my files listed in any given file window. Then across from that, I have size and modification. Now, the other thing that I'll do is I'll right-click on those tabs and I will change. I, I want to see the created date. I want to see the type and I want to see tags. And, and those columns, which you can do in KDE just by right-clicking on, 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 the, on the bar in the file window, it will allow additional columns to appear with that uh, with that organization of information. And that allows me to, at a, at, a, at a moment's glance, be able to look at any particular file, folder, or network resource and know when was that file created? What is it in relationship to? When is the last time somebody touched it? And, and, and just in my day job of, hey, so-and-so lost this file. We can't find it. It's in this file. Okay, well, what's the last thing that you, you know, those kinds of things. It, it takes what what ordinary computer users look at as like, I don't know how to answer this question and literally becomes a, 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 a column inside of Dolphin for me. Um, and, and, and so all of those things, if you're, if you're thinking to yourself, my gosh, that's a lot of very KDE specific things. You're right. It is a lot of KDE specific things. That's why I'm going to take KDE to my my grave when I'm cold and dead. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really believe that that desktop environment allows you to make all of the changes that you need to change so that the technology conforms around your workflow. I could sit here all day and tell you every little thing I change uh, on, on, on a desktop environment. You know, we, we can ask questions, go through some of that, but the most valuable thing you could take away from a discussion of what do you look for? How do you change? How do you modify? Start looking at ways that you can refine your workflow. Start looking at ways that you can refine the way that you approach a task that delivers that task in either less time, more efficiency, or with less hassle. The more tools, the more features, and the more resources you have at your fingertips, and the faster they are to get to, the more efficiently you're going to get through your tasks. And then, and I know we've all talked about this, had the, the, the developer on, 
just have to make another plug for super productivity because it is an integral <laughs> part to, to really any workflow, especially if you have ADD and get distracted by bicycles and squirrels. So you <laughs> pick the thing that you're going to work on, you click the play button, it starts tracking time again because of all of the other customizations I've made to the desktop and the way that things are arranged, the way things are working, those things aren't going to get in the way and 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 things that will come. I might think of them, say, hey, I have to get to that. No problem. Add it to super productivity. I'll, I'll get to it in, in good time. Right now I'm working on this task and go back and, and, and continue the workflow. And so if you're looking and you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm going to switch over to the, this Linux environment. And as I listen to the destination Linux guys, how do those guys make Linux work every, each and every day for them? That the most, the best piece of advice I can give you is pay attention to where the shortcomings are and then don't be afraid to fix them. And really in the Linux community, that's something we could, that, that we could do a lot better of. And, and I've been guilty of this, but we don't, we're not quick to, to identify our own faults and try to make them better. We're quick to shove it off and be like, well, it's at least it has wrong software license. So it doesn't matter if that tool works a little better. It's wrong software license. And, and I think, I think we need to slow down a little bit and be willing to say, Hey, no, those things can be a lot better. And I say that because when you start looking at the, I, I, I look at what Caden live does for me today, as opposed to where we were even three, four years ago. And oh, it's yeah. a joke. Uh, the the ability to do the uh, ability of doing professional video editing on any sort of true open source video editor five six years ago was a joke and 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 it would happen to where it, you'd lose your entire project and the entire machine would crash and you would say well that's uh, at least it has the right license right it's it's a joke but today 2021 I sit in Caden Live and I, I I kid you not I my cubicle at the radio station is right next door to a guy. Or right next to a guy uses a, 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 a what's the video? Is it Premiere? Is the Adobe? Yeah, Premiere, Adobe yeah. Premiere. Yes. <laughs> you, the, my program director walks up behind. He can't tell the difference between Caden Live and Premiere. It just looks the same. And the workflow is kind of the same. Clips are the same. And he comes over my desk. Like, that's how similar, that's how far we've gotten in just three years. And that's before we've taken advantage of really what Pipewire has to offer down the road. So if you're sitting back and as you consider these things, what I'd ask you to do is consider three things. First, understand that you want to build on solid ground. And I don't, if, if you believe otherwise, do your thing. But I don't believe that Mac OS or Windows is a solid ground to build on. I think it's a great place to start, but it's kind of like working with one hand tied behind your back in the case of Mac OS. And it's like, working with half your body buried in the ground when it comes to windows because you just it's well it is though i mean really like, so you're my, in my quicksand son, if you're using my windows <laughs> sorry, my son the other day is is trying to get this game to work injustice 2 we're trying to work it make it work with protons we use the the um the the uh, uh glorious egg roll uh, proton wrapper to try to and, and we're getting through it and eventually gets frustrated it's like dad you know can we just get windows on this machine i'm like yeah sure that's not a problem so what we have to do is we have to go purchase a windows license and we'll have to go find the compatibility download all the drivers for all these uh cards that are his his eyes just glaze over. He's like, this is ridiculous. That's what it, I, mean, I just stuck the flash drive in and installed Kubuntu. That's what I have to do for Windows. Yeah, that's what you have to do for Windows. Right? So it, it does. It's such an old, crufty operating system that it's great if you need, if you absolutely need those tools and you absolutely have to have those things. There are ways that you can lower that paper cut by doing things like virtualization and taking advantage of snapshots. But really what we're doing is we're band-aiding the problem that it's not a solid working ground to begin with and that they, they don't have the user's best mind. They have the profit margins best mind at, at the forefront. And that's certainly true with Mac OS and with their new M1 processor. Really what they're trying to do is get people to come over to their platform. When I sit down and I start to configure a KDE box or I start to configure a GNOME box or I set up my Xmonad uh, tiling window manager where I can just bounce between one uh, one task to the next without ever really having to think because my hands never even really leave the keyboard and the mouse is really an auxiliary device instead of we split between the two, you really start to understand how it's an operating system and a software ecosystem built around the user and around that user's best interest and around what that user wants. Now, sometimes our ability to fund the what we what what is developers they know the user wants and what the user wants those things are not always compatible, right? And so sometimes there are some shortcomings. But the, but at the end of the day, I sit down to, to to customize the desktop. There's very few times sitting in front of KDE that I ever say to myself, "Well, I wish I could do that." Too bad that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're getting lots of comments that people say the Energizer Bunny Noah. You went through a <laughs> rant there to tell people how much you can You're tell amazing, he's passionate Noah. about this, how much he loves the customization <laughs> capabilities and links. You know, one of the things I did find out through that whole thing, and I agree with everything you said there, Noah. Um, I thought it's really interesting when you look back at all of our customizations, how much we use shortcut keys and how mm -hmm. much that was a big part mm -hmm. of our customization options. And yep. that's interesting to me specifically 
because when I came from Windows over into the Linux environment in Windows, everything was a mouse click. And I remember people telling me the terminal's so much faster than the GUI. And I'm like, come on, how? You know, the <laughs> GUI, I just click. And, I, and then I started using the terminal. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much faster than using a GUI to the point where now I'm that guy saying the terminal is so much faster than the GUI. And yes. then it was the shortcuts. When I went into i3 and started using i3 window manager and I had to set up all of these shortcuts, I started realizing how much faster it is to open things, to search for things, to get my windows where I want them using keyboard shortcuts instead of my mouse and clicking and dragging and moving a window over here and then mm -hmm. trying to get the little diagonal mouse icon to appear so I can shrink the window to the corner that I want and all of these type of things. It, it speeds up your production. You're going to be faster. And when people watch you, they're going to be more impressed watching you and your work and other things because you're just manipulating the machine. As Noah said to your, the machine is conforming to you and your needs. Exactly. And that's what makes it so cool that we can do all of that in Linux. I was so happy also, Noah, that you brought up about, uh, you know, desktop screenshots because I utilize that all the time. Sure. In fact, mm -hmm. I have a, I use Scrot in Terminal and I have a script, a script that I wrote that will take random screenshots at different times. Oh, that's Because I've had, it, it's been, you know, helpful for, for showing my students, you know, how to do things and just in my general workflow. Mm -hmm. There's also a really nice. cool one that like this is just a random tip I guess. There's a another one that's that's similar to Spectacle called Flameshot. And Flameshot we've 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 done yeah. it as a pick on the we've show before. About it. And uh, it's really yeah. cool cuz it in addition to doing similar stuff that Spectacle can do, uh, one of the cool things is is that it has an editor built into it so you can just draw arrows on it and write text on it just directly on the screenshot as you create so it. Nice. So that's a really cool thing. Indeed. But I love the point you're talking about the whole shortcuts as being like like I didn't even think about it but shortcuts are a a critical part of why Linux is so customizable and so improved. Cause like with what Noah said with about the, the shortcuts in plasma, you can pretty much add a shortcut to everything, mm -hmm. even the about window of every application. If you want to do that for some reason, you can. <laughs> so that like, it, that's how ex the point is it whether you, you should, it's the fact that you can. You can. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. You can get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Now, this is really interesting. I had somebody come over my house and they were wanting me to look at their Windows machine. And I said, well, I'm going to need you to log in, but they needed to go do something. So they wrote their password down to get into their machine. And they made this comment. They said, hey, don't let this slip of paper Get away from you because this is the same password I use for all of my accounts. And I was mm. like, oh, we've got a problem. You got to stop boy. right there. We're going <laughs> to install Bitwarden. Um, but a lot of people get stuck with this. They create a complex password. I'll give them credit. It was a complex password, but they're using it for every single account, which means if you get hacked, go look at SolarWinds. By the way, Pseudo Show did a fantastic podcast on that. If you get hacked and that one password gets taken, everything is going to be compromised. So that's why we recommend and we're thankful to have a sponsor like Bitwarden. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. They have a $10 premium account. You can create a different password for every single account you have. You can set up things with the $10 like YubiKey authentication in there. Uh, you have just a, the ability for encrypted storage, file storage, you have two-step login with U2F or Duo, Vault Health Reports, the Bitwarden Authenticator course, and Priority Customer Support you get for $10 a year. $10 a year. year. That per year thing is very important piece. <laughs> Not get yeah. hacked. Save thousands of dollars and tons of hours and time protecting yourself for $10 a year. I think it's well worth it. And I know a lot of LastPass people with the recent changes that happened in LastPass are switching over to Bitwarden right now. So it's just the perfect time to go check out bitwarden.com slash DLN. And we thank them for sponsoring Destination Linux and this episode. So up next, we want to talk about something that we haven't spent enough time on this episode, and that's KDE Plasma. So KDE <laughs> Plasma 521 was released recently, and after discussing all of the customization options available in Linux, we also get to cover one of the most customizable desktops around with their newest version, with the newest things you can do, which I'm super excited. I touched on a little bit of it in the, uh, the customization topic where with 5.21, we, 5 we get a new app launcher, and this new launcher has a two-pane 
system. What's interesting is that they basically took the kickoff original one that's been around for a very long time and also the kicker win, which was an alternative, and they merged them together so you have a really nice, easy way to quickly get to different categories and different like sections for the different applications you want, but also it has a really nice uh, grid style of showing your favorite uh, items that you want. And it's it's got a built-in search function and all that stuff. So it's just a really nice uh, new menu. You know what I like what they did there with that, Michael, is, you know, some people like the original, you called it Kicker, was it called Kicker? Uh, kickoff is the name of the original kickoff. and the, the current one is also called Kickoff. So what what's uh, interesting is they <laughs> if you like the original one, they left it out there so you can still utilize it. That's what I like about KDE. Yeah. They don't remove things and go, we're do- going this direction. And anybody who likes the prior direction, too bad. We're removing everything. You're never going to see it again. It's all gone. Go write it yourself if you want it. They're like, hey, if you want the old one, we'll, we'll keep that code around too. So you can still keep yeah, the same. Yeah, it's here. You, it's actually cool. also in the KDE store. So if you don't know, store.kde.org is a place you can go and get a bunch of stuff, including uh, widgets and menus and stuff. So you can just directly install it from the KDE store back into the system and use it if you want to. So that's also really cool. So they put it there too. Yeah. Uh, also, in addition to that, we talked about how a dark theme is really important because it's you know it gets the bright elements out of the way for people who have issues with bright elements and that sort of stuff. Uh, but they they also did something really cool related to that, and that's that they introduced a new theme called Breeze Twilight. Now, this is not a full dark mm-hmm. theme. This is a hybrid theme that caters to the having a breeze dark of the desktop UI for the panels and the menus and that sort of stuff. And then they have a light theme for the applications. And there's a variety of reasons to for, for doing it that way rather than having it all dark. Because some applications have these weird artifacting uh, issues when you have a dark mode on them. And that That's way, true. when you force that dark mode, it doesn't really work quite well. All applications should support dark mode. But when you try to force it, you can create artifacts. So this is a way to have a dark theme on the panels and the menus so that they are not in the way, like they're not trying to pull attention to you and pull your focus, where you can focus on what you're doing if you are if you need to use a bright theme on the application. So I think that's a fantastic decision to create this theme. And I hope that they, in the future, make it the default theme because it's just, one, it's just really nice. And I think it's the, the best approach for default anyway. So hopefully that does happen. But I'm really happy to see that they added it. I was going to say the background wallpaper um, in uh, 5.21, I really love because it, it fits a dark theme. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's very like nice. The it's purples and pinks. and It's also it's just like, worth noting that the Plasma wallpaper themes, because every new version of Plasma comes with a new wallpaper, and they have been yeah. fantastic for the past. They've been amazing. I, I can't even remember how long. It's just been like really good wallpapers. So. Yeah, and this is the first one that's been darker. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> And, well, uh, I promise I won't go on a rant here because you know <laughs> how I go on rant sometimes. I know that's never happened, but no. I was so happy to see the Wayland support start coming to fruition. So I remember mm-hmm. them announcing, I don't know, a few months back, maybe a little longer, that they're going to start ramping up their Wayland support. I think mm-hmm. it's so important if we're if this Wayland thing is ever going to be something that we either go all in or we don't. And it sounds like everybody starting to go all in. And I was so happy to see this team do that. So they added mm-hmm. support for mixed refresh rate display setups on Wayland. You have one screen refreshing at 144 hertz and another at 60 hertz. You have multiple monitors with different hertz. This is obviously very important. But just the focus on, they did a bunch of other things in Wayland as well in there, improving their support for it. I'm just so happy to see this because, like I said, this is the only way forward to a lot of people have different complaints and issues and things with how Wayland is or it doesn't work with this or that. The only way we're going to get it fixed is if the desktop environment start pushing it and what a talented team, right, to get behind pushing Wayland and making it efficient. I mean, if anybody can do it, the KDE team certainly uh, can make some huge gains here. So I was very happy to see that in the notes. Yeah, the Wayland stuff is really great that they're working on that. It's also perfect timing for me because the next, like either maybe the next release or one after that of OBS will be having some Wayland support. And the main thing that holds me back for Wayland is Plasma and OBS not having it. And while they both are basically having it at the same time, roughly, so mm-hmm. I am very excited to you know try it out more because yeah. I've used Wayland for a while, but it never really fit what I wanted. So now it's getting closer and closer to that. So I am super excited. And also, this is something that I think is very under underrated and underlooked at like the system monitor for KDE plasma with cases guard is pretty good. It's not great, but it's pretty good, but they are making a new one to replace it that they released just uh, this past release with 521 called 
Well, I mean, it's not the most creative name. It's Plasma System Monitor. But what's great about it is that it has a variety of different views. It gives you the options for like showing you memory, disk space, network, CPU usage. Uh, you can also have like applications that you can quickly delete from your uh, sources just super fast. And also, it, uh, it's like the, you don't want these resources being utilized for things that you don't. Like, for example, if, a, if an application crashes or something is really quickly to get rid of it in this case. But what's really, really cool about this is that it has the ability to custom views so you can actually choose what the system monitor displays to you at any given time and be able to control in that view what you want and Dang it. that I'm is kind of jealous of that I'm yeah, a little bit jealous that is fantastic that and I, i'm yeah. a big fan of that, that the concept of being able to do that because there's a few times where i would use any you know system monitor whatever it is doesn't matter there will be something and i'll be like i wish it had this but now being able to do that very cool that's pretty cool dang it kitty Thanks. (laughs) Thank you, KDE. Yeah. But there's also a lot of other stuff that we can't really go through everything because there's just so much. uh, So much. So much like widget updates. There's even some new (laughs) changes to like uh, Plasma Firewall and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, just fantastic work done by the KDE team. And uh, thank you again for making the DE that I already use even more reason to use Mm -hmm. it. So, and also uh, making Ryan. question his life decisions so (laughs) yeah you know they fixed a lot of paper cuts in in this release as well some major changes so that was really nice to see all these little bugs including the sound applet that now shows the microphone volume that that helps a lot (laughs) yeah that's nice while this is not really that important to uh note uh i also contributed to this release of 521 so there's Yay. that. Uh, I mean, I'm awesome. Just, Did you contribute why you were on your elliptical? Uh, no, because the elliptical wasn't set up at the time. Uh, but oh, in the okay. future, that will be a yes. Active <laughs> contributions. How cool is For that? Sure. For sure. I like it. <laughs> well, we also have something that is very exciting to me because I'm a geek, but other people Yay. listening, it may not be exciting to them. They may like start falling asleep. So I'll keep it exciting. I promise. Linux kernel 5.11 was released on Valentine's Day. Showing the love for the community yeah, out there the on Valentine's yeah. Day. I love that. <laughs> um, now, for you on your so-called stable releases, you all won't see this for, I don't know, another 20 years. But for us on the cutting edge, we'll be able to play with 5.11 here really soon. The amount of hardware support is just busting at the seams in 5.11. That's what got my attention. Rocket Lake CPU support, improved AMD support for their GPUs, for their CPUs, ARM-based uh, devices, all kinds of peripherals on here. Everything like Michael, you use like the Guitar Hero Rock Band mic or something. Naturally. They even have Guit- Guitar Hero Live yes. PS3 and Wii U support stuff <laughs> added into the kernel. It's crazy yeah. what I they're mean, doing here. You're kidding, but I, too, I do really want to try to play some Guitar Hero on, on Linux now. Like, <laughs> you can now, thanks yeah. to kernel 5.11 <laughs> out there. Improvements yeah. to the Radeon RX 6800 series, the brand new cards, whether you have a new AMD card or the brand new NVIDIA card, I'm, getting best, I'm guessing you don't have either one of those because none of us can get their hands on them. But assuming one day we could... <laughs> Because everything's out of stock, uh, we'll be able to use it right there in this kernel uh, with improved performance. They're also doing some updates to uh, like DJ equipment, which is really cool. Like this kind of things you wouldn't think about, but like, yeah, why not have support built into the kernel? Of course, of course we would. Uh, That's fantastic. But I also wanted to make a quick note for the syscall user dispatch thing. And this is kind of... A, a it's a very technical aspect, but just to kind of break it down to what it what, why it's cool is because it, it helps uh, in, the intercepting of system calls for uh, Windows programs and applications to be uh, lower level and have a lower overhead, which means faster and better support for Wine and also Proton. So that is fantastic. Uh, there's also the fix for the Lenovo uh, ThinkPad Palm sensor. Uh, for all of us with ThinkPads, nice. we, we've been dealing with that. You know, you barely put your hand down and it, yeah. and it, it, it starts changing things on the screen. <laughs> so that's a thing. And another, uh, actually, a, a big thing that I was excited about is there support now for the Ua Uya Game Console? <laughs> oh, you have, right of course you have one. Of course you have one. <laughs> oh, you have one, but that was stupid. Of course you have one, Jill. My, mine has Debian on it, but now it's just going to be a lot easier <laughs> to install Linux on the thing. This is like a Jill's treasure hunt buried yeah. into the Linux kernel section. My favorite, my favorite part about this is that when she starts talking about it and Ryan's immediate question is, do you have, oh, never mind. Of course you do. Yeah, of course you do, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm learning still, Jill. You have it all. Very jealous. Okay, now with all the craziness going on in the world, it's nice to just sit down and escape to a happier place. That's where our game pick of this week comes in. And this beautiful game is called Metropolis. So on Steam, Metropolis is described as a lovely sci-fi adventure set on the abandoned planet Earth. Play as Henry Dijon, hero, nerd, and detective. And in creator search of, of late mustard. Yes. <laughs> nice, Michael. Nice. Gray poupon. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That was funny. I'm sorry. That was a good one. So Henry Dijon Mustard is in search of a legendary lost city. Uncover weird ancient artifacts and please don't get obliterated by an ageless evil. You've been warned. And so for all of you out there, Metropolis is a beautiful point and click sci-fi detective adventure. And it is really great for the whole family but challenging enough for every age. So nice. it's, it's really a lot of fun. And it is created by the Madrid-based Pyrita Studio and was just released on Steam February 18th, 2021. Nice. <laughs> so, and there's lots of really cool uh, features uh, of the game. It's got f- more than 50 hand-drawn scenes crammed with cute, weird characters, full voiceover in English, text lo- localizations in Spanish, German, French, Italian, Portuguese, Russian, Chinese, Korean, and Japanese. That's amazing. <laughs> that's that's nice. really, really great of the developers to go, you know, at launch to have all the languages, uh, a lot of languages already set up. You probably can't play this on Linux though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it runs beautifully and natively on Linux. <laughs> and this follow-up question to that, have you already played it when it's been out for a couple of days? <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, honestly, it's one of the best point and click adventure games I have Whoa, ever played. That's um, huge praise. It, yeah, it it really is. I um if you like, you know, immersive, very immersive point and click exploration games with a nice story, you know, it has beautiful am- animation, charming characters, incredible voice acting, is humorous and has a fun and science fiction puzzle adventure to boot, then you you will love this game. It's it's all those things I love about the best uh, point and click games all wrapped into one. Wow! And you know it worked great on my Nvidia GTX 1080 rig and my and my AMD RX 580 rig as well, running both uh, Ubuntu 20.04 and Ubuntu Mate, and it's 19.99 and it is worth every penny. So wow. it's just been so much fun. It's just a really nice escape, you know, for these these times we're living in. <laughs> it definitely Absolutely. is something nope. happy, upbeat, and fun. <laughs> well, one of our patrons was asking about the spelling, so I'm sure other people will want to know as well. It's M-U-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S, Metropolis. Mm-hmm. So go check that out on Steam, native Linux client. You won't have to do anything funky to get it working. Yeah. And lunch is easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'll, you'll find a link in the show notes as well, just to make it super easy. So you can check that out. Uh, we'll have those. It just, we mm-hmm. get the, in the, whether, whether, regardless of whether you're using the uh, podcast, the audio version, or you're on the YouTube channel or the library channel, you'll have links down there to check out all the stuff that we cover in this episode. And another thing you'll find in the show notes is a link to K-Stars. K-Stars is a fantastic application and it's perfectly fitting this episode because Linux is on Mars this week. So the Mars <laughs> Perseverance um, rover landed on Mars and it is a also including the Ingenuity drone. We talked about the drone operators here joining me this week and it didn't crash because it runs Linux. Exactly. It didn't crash because it runs yeah. Linux. And also <laughs> the screen of death. The, the drone helicopter runs Linux and it also basically flies itself because Linux is that awesome. So that nice. they can they could just basically wanted to prove that if it could work or not. Now K Stars is a fantastic application for uh, the checking out the galaxies and, and charting stars and that sort of stuff. It is a really nice application for that. It will not likely help you find ingenuity or uh, perseverance on Mars at this time, 
But who knows in the future? But at right. the at the moment, uh, K Stars does not really have that data yet. Uh, they're still <laughs> they're still collecting it, as it were. Uh, but anyway, K Stars is a fantastic application from the KDE community, and for for anybody who is want to look at a planetarium type of application, uh, you'll you'll be very happy to check out K Stars. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Our tip of the week this week is continuing on with Podman. Now that you know how to search for different container types, deploy pods, you may start collecting a large list of containers. To see what containers you have installed, simply use this command, Podman images. This will let all of your current images out. If you want to get more information on one of your images, now that you've listed them, simply type Podman inspect and then the image ID. You want to learn more about Podman? Then keep tuning in as we'll continue to have more tips and tricks in this ongoing session. If some of this is confusing to you, then we invite you to go back and re-listen to some of the previous episodes where we started from the beginning at Podman and before that, getting started with so a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. We love your faces. If you want more DL, become a patron like all of these beautiful people here with us now and get a bunch of perks like unedited versions of the show, VIP access to events, live recordings of Destination Linux where they get to be in the Destination Linux stadium. That's right. Real estate is so cheap right now. We bought an entire <laughs> stats not true at all. We bought, we we like bought an pretend. entire virtual stadium. Yeah, yes. we have an entire <laughs> virtual stadium that they can come hang out with and they get to send a secret, super secret notes and make fun of Michael behind the scenes where he can see it while he's doing the show, which sometimes makes a mess up. You get to have all kinds of fun <laughs> like that. Just like this episode that happened a, a patron. couple times. <laughs> it happened multiple times. So those are just some of the perks out there. Yeah, sure. In addition, every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we're now live at DLNlive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each week. We can't wait to see you in the chat. And in addition to DLNlive.com, we also have DLNstore.com, where you can pick up some swag like T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, and also some other stuff that is coming very soon. So much great stuff there. Go to DLNstore.com to get all the awesome swag, including the shirt that I'm wearing, the shirt Jill is wearing, and the new shirt mm -hmm. that Ryan is wearing, the new DOS Geek shirt. Yay. Check that out. All of that is available at DLNstore.com. And we have so many great shows here on Destination Linux, we have the pseudo show, which recently covered the massive solar winds attack, like uh, Ryan mentioned earlier. And so you don't want to miss that episode. Um, we have Ask Noah Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, DLN Extend, Hardware Addicts, and get your game on with our latest show, GameSphere. So go to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these shows to keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Nice. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself <laughs> is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. See you next week. There it is. I always wait for the bye-bye. It's like a <laughs> thing. I don't know the show's over. I you don't know the show's You just like, keep talking about Linux unless I said that. I would just be sitting there. Everyone would wait and be silent. Like, when's he going to do it? Like, <laughs> All right. So, patrons, turn on your cameras. Turn on your mics. Come hang out with us. We're not scary. Not too scary. We're, not, we're, hey. we're not scary. <laughs> <laughs>